Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Girls become mamas, turn into lovers. Beautiful. Break it down. I just ate a shit ton of cheese. Ooh, that's lovely, isn't it? But it's made me have a, you know, cheesy throat. Oh, cheesy throat. There's only one thing more than a cheesy throat, isn't there? What's that? That's a dick cheesy throat. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to spit out my water. (laughs) Well, 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 if it isn't Evie Jones. Oh, I'll tell you what. Um, I'm just going to... Oh, that was my... I was starting. You were supposed to go, and if it isn't Annie Potatoes, and if this isn't Chickstry, I don't know what is. Go grab my water and then I'll do that. Oh, God. Well, well, well. If it isn't Evie Jones. And if it isn't Annis Potatoes. <laughs> if this isn't Chickstree de Histories. Chickers de Biggers Desk. <laughs> Fiddlesk. <laughs> Barned. The number one selling podcast of selling. 2021. That's us. Chickstree. Oh, what's Get that? it at all good news agencies. Yeah, get it in your ear holes from anywhere you want. Anywhere you like. How's your week been? Um, yeah, oh, look, it's been a week. Oh, it's not really. I just watched the Bee Gees documentary. Oh, Did yeah. you see it? No. Yeah, it's on Prime and it's also on Foxtel. I don't know why. Mm. But um, it's really beautiful. Um, It's just basically an homage to them, which they totally deserve. You know, at the end of the day. Yes, yes. God, what an amazing family of men, really. Like, yeah. Of musicians, a family of musicians, I should say, not of men, just songwriters. And it was amazing. There was one little bit. What was that? I think Sissy wants to watch something in there. <laughs> Did she sit on the TV remote? She must have. <laughs> um, luckily for me, I have a remote on my phone. Oh, there's a car alarm going now on my. Is that you? Oh no. Oh, do you know what happened to me this morning what? when I went to the car? What? The bloody back window went down. It wouldn't go back up. Oh, no. Yeah, but it did. I mean, that was a boring story, but <laughs> God, it gave me a bit of a, you know, did it get panic. Because I had to do the dog park knowing that my back window was down. It actually didn't bother me, like oh, theft okay. or anything. What yes. bothered me while I'm walking around the dog park was going to a mechanic and getting ripped off. Um, to have a yeah. friggin' window, like, because it's electronic, you know, they can charge anything. It's the first thought you have when something goes wrong. You're like, oh, well, I'm going to be ripped off now. Yeah. 
how much is this going to cost is- me? Because I'm a woman. Well, exactly. Especially. Exactly. And, you know, when you're living in a, a place that you're not from and you have no family in mm-hmm. and you only know women and gay men, <laughs> you're fucked. <laughs> very hard to get a car serviced or yep. to get some work done in your garden. Yeah, to do the things that for some reason there's a, a male pri- privilege, yep. not for some reason. It's, yeah. it's called the patriarch, <laughs> that as soon as they present, they hear a male voice on the phone or they see a male in the car or they meet yep. a male. There's yep. a very different conversation that goes on. Absolutely. Um, there was a guy, I saw a a funny video, a sketch where a guy's like, God, I've just had the last couple of emails I've sent out. I've gotten these replies back and they've been so weird. People are just like explaining my job back to me. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And it was really weird. I realized my name had autocorrected from Larry to Laura. And these two women were like, mm-hmm. that's really normal. That's yeah. like really normal. Yes. Mansplain. Don't we love it? Oh God. Don't we love it? And how much of it goes on? So yeah, anyway, Coldplay was on Chris Martin and he was saying there's something about, can you hear what? that now? What are, what are you talking about now? Coldplay was on what? On the Bee Gees documentary. Oh, you've gone back to the Bee Gees documentary. <laughs> it's like you're a comedian and you've just done a massive big Yeah, but tangent. not a very good one. No, <laughs> and there was no connection back to, so anyway, Coldplay. <laughs> um, well, that was the last thing I said before the TV came on. Oh, okay, right, yeah. If you're paying attention at home, which I'm sure you are. I couldn't hear you you. over the the background noise. And now there's a, what are you tap tapping about? (laughs) Now, oh, it's all happening in this house today. And now there's a um, lawnmower going, a fuck o'clock. He's walked out. Um, So anyway, I was watching the... (laughs) BJ's documentary and you know they have a few mm. famous faces on there whatever yeah. it wasn't about yeah. them but there was one thing that um Chris Martin from Coldplay did say which was really sweet not really sweet it was um mm. funny mm. well not really funny actually let me just say it you make up your own mind <laughs> but um when you write songs and you like if someone says to you, I'll oh, just go and write a hit song. Yeah. He said, you, you do your best to go and write a hit song. He said, but as most songwriters know who've been in the business for a long time, there's skills and there's gifts and there's um, experience, he said, but at the end of the day, it's magic. And we all know it. Yeah. And then Barry Gibb was saying, like, you know, people go on about songwriters and he said, when we're songwriters, but we're just retrievers. We are retrieving whatever is being sent to us. It, it's in the air. That and is like, like, yeah, that's great. That's insightful. It, it's insightful. It's beautiful how Chris Martin said that, like, everyone, every good songwriter knows that. It's just, yeah. it's mostly magic. You know, it's very similar to the Liz Gilbert talk about creativity, her TED talk. So after she yeah. did her big 
TED April. Talk after E Pray Love and whatever. And then she's writing her second book. She talks about genius and where genius comes from. And she <laughs> believes that genius, well, they used to believe back in the, um, you know, early, early 15th, 16th century that the genius yeah. lived in the walls. Yeah. And you as the artist would just conjure that genius to come yeah, you into you or the vessel. Yeah, you weren't a genius. You no. had genius. Yes, you had genius. And then yeah. and then we got into this habit of calling people a genius, genius. which then That's made it. them then, feel Yeah, feel godlike. Yeah, or like I'm not gonna because she's she she got really, you know, paralyzed after the success of Eat Pray Love and she was like, How am I gonna back this shit up? Yeah, and then she 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 heard about that and it brought her some comfort and relief because if it's not up to you, it's up to whether or not you're open to receiving the magic. Yes. And I think and it was funny because um, the documentary great. talked a lot about, not a lot, but Barry, the three brothers at separate times said, you know, the egos that were involved in the beginning mm-hmm. were, you know, once you become successful, once you become famous, like it, it your ego does something and how you have to battle that to find your way through it and how I imagine that must be how so many people that would be their downfall them believing they're the genius yes (laughs) and putting the pressure on themselves yes to come up with more genius instead of understanding it's not you it's your chosen come through you yeah I mean and it would be a weird thing to feel wouldn't it why am I chosen why am I? Mm-mm. Why do I have that gift? Yes, yes. Yeah. Mary Oliver, you know, my favourite poet, she talks about chasing poems almost like she, she imagined them having tails and she, they would come to her and she would need to stop whatever she was doing and chase Poet, the poem in her mind and she's Good. almost be reaching out trying to catch its tail yeah. to say come back to me like I want to I'm going to tell your that story and she was the same thing never said it was kind of her genius just always mm. said she was a vessel for yeah. um you know for, for these poems who, that ended up coming to her yeah it's great yeah. isn't it it's beautiful I've had a lot of things it must be Not yeah just, yeah Cre- creatively Creatively, yeah, that's right. Oh, did you shoot your dogs? No, I didn't. I just um, someone did. <laughs> someone did. I'm gonna oh, pop that yeah. someone down okay. off my freaking lap. Um, how's yes. your week been? You've made a move. I've made a move. I've made a move to a new house, and um, I've had a shit fight with the internet companies mm, for something completely different. Yeah, now for something completely different. It's a similar thing to the whole getting the car fixed because it's like you just know you're going to get, doesn't matter who you go with, you know you're going to get fucked over somewhere along the line. At least that's not a male to female thing. No. <laughs> everyone. That's everyone. very fair to everyone. They're going to yeah. fuck everyone over. <laughs> it's inclusive. I like it. But just, Although I do feel really bad for older people, oh, you know, because they – they can't take the direction easily with no, digital things and it's no. quite cruel. So PSA, don't go with Belong. If you're thinking about signing up to a new internet provider, do not go with Belong. Belong. I can't say it, stress this enough. They don't have a means to be able to speak to a human being you can't in real time. You can't chat with them and you can't call them. And when you ask for a number, they say that they're 
they don't have an inbound team. So, so all you can do is email them and you know, you've got stuff that you need fixed and to be looked at and then you've got to wait for the email to be sent back. So then I went on to Twitter and because that's my new thing to contact brands now. It's the only way you can get an answer. It's the only time I use Twitter and I had such a bad bloody run in with these belong people. And also another public service announcement. Mm. If you have the NBN and Mm. you're moving house, Mm. you're not allowed to take the little NBN black box. Now, no one tells you this. My internet company didn't tell me this. Mine's white. Mine's black. Is it? They don't tell you that you've got it. That's configured to each separate address. So when you move into a new house, you expect that little box to be there in your new house. It wasn't. I bought the one from my old house, then got in trouble, and then they said the the NBN can find you. The whole system is flawed, people. Flawed from the outset, isn't it? From the onset. So, yeah, so that was frustrating. It's always frustrating. So I'm still waiting for internet to be connected a week later. Do you know Um, when I first moved in here, mm. I was trying to get the NBN, like, you have to get the NBN now. Yeah. Um, And I thought I'll go through Vodafone because I'm I'm with Vodafone on my mobile Mm. and it was taking so long and I was like ringing them and they were the the same thing. They just were passing me around, saying that things had happened that hadn't happened, not really understanding what they were doing, blah, 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 blah. I ended up saying to one guy, I just, I don't want this anymore. And he goes, oh, good. Yep. No, good. Cancel it. I was like, oh, good argument. Good, great. Wow. He was just he, done, was he? He was just, <laughs> he, he was trying, I think, telling everyone just like, no, you know, I'm not taking your threats. I'm not going to try to compete yeah. with another. Because I said to him, I'm just going to go with someone else. He goes, yeah, do that. Jesus. If Janet was listening to that back, you know, how they listened to the recordings and they had their next customer service team meeting, God, he would have gotten in trouble. Yeah, he would have he would have left by then. Yeah, so besides that, um, just settling into the new house, watched mm. a couple of things, watched um, Why Did You Kill Me yep, good. on Netflix, which did is... Did you find out why did she get killed? Very good. Yes, it's very yeah. good. It's very good. Um, <laughs> and very good it's again. very good. Yeah. And, um, and I also watched, which you didn't enjoy, The College Scandal. Oh, that was awful. That was awful. No, I watched about three quarters lengths, of it, to be fair. The lengths that those parents mm. go to, you know, and photoshopping someone's head onto the body of another. Come on. Yeah, that was a bit off. That was the whole thing just, I think, frustrated me too much to keep going. Yeah. I was like, oh, it, you privileged fuckheads. Yes. What about we went to a comedy show on Saturday night? We did. It was, We've seen a bit of comedy this I've seen a couple well, of shows. You've seen more shows than me, but yeah. Yeah, it's, but that's enough. It's yeah. good to go to at least one show when you live in a city that has a comedy festival on. Mm. Um, we saw Nikki Britton on Saturday night and, God, she was funny because she was relatable to oh, us especially. She was so good. Us. She was really funny. I, I lolled many, many, many times. Many and, times. Yeah. And she, she had a few mishaps happen or people answer back in the not in a heckling way like people responding (laughs) 
she was very audibly way she was and she handled each and every one of them as if it was written yeah in the show yeah she like was very good she's so witty yeah i'd love yeah. to have a drink with her we should, we should get her on the show i'd love yeah. to have her on the show she'd be a hoot and a holler get her on the show sammy make a note Sammy, Purple Elephant, get Nikki Britton on the show. <laughs> By the way, if you did listen to that episode where oh, yeah. we tested Sammy with Purple Elephant, he wrote us a text that oh, said... It was a, a sternly worded text. <laughs> it started with Purple Elephant, let yes. me just say that. Yes, yes. And then we were, I was, ripped a new asshole. <laughs> I mean, Sammy seems like a demure young Oh, he can um, turn. He can, he can turn. turn faster than a fucking lazy Susan in a hurricane. Bloody Tell Tina you what. Turner. He can do it. Tina Turner. And a it, Tina Turner t- apple turnover. <laughs> uh, just us today. Oh, no guests. Oh, yeah. Well, let's also oh. talk about <laughs> the yeah. dinner that we had on Saturday night. Oh, wow. Oh, we nearly forgot about that. We should put this up we? on our socials. When, Jesus. So you can actually go and have a look. Um, and once you see, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. If you've listened to the episode, I booked this restaurant because it was on TikTok and it was, mm. it looked like the, the funnest restaurant, like the most, um, Instagrammable kind of restaurant. Yeah. You know, it, it was really cool. Very cool. Had swings for seats. We didn't sit in mm. those ones and it mm. had, um, you know, shit all over the place. It was great. It was Asian <laughs> and the food sure. looked good and it had massive cocktails and whatever. And, um, we got an early sitting reservation because we had a comedy show to go to so we were kind of the well we were literally the only ones in the restaurant we were it was 5 30 to be fair there was no help from the staff there was probably about five or six staff and Mm -hmm. they weren't behind anything that could have been helping us they were just kind of hanging against walls and things and yeah we around and on their phones no menus we had to only do it on the phone so whatever you know living in the digital world as we do we felt like okay we're in japan we can do this we can order from which Mm -hmm. is kind of good these days because we do order some of our things from the phone and it comes straight to the table and you get paid it's great time. i love it yeah straight. great yep. so we thought well that's what that's going to be like well it wasn't yeah. it was just ordering for that particular table no matter who ordered from their phone or went to the bar or the kitchen and at the end of it you were going to all then have to you know, organize the bill. So that was a ball like to start with. We're like, okay, well, let's just fucking order whatever. Everything we ordered, nothing came. We'd have nothing. to at least three times mm-hmm. ask someone what we're, we've ordered a Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, we've ordered a Pinot Noir. Is that coming? <laughs> I ordered a beer 20 minutes ago. Just wondering. And we ordered food and, and that then took ages to come. But then we'd have to take out our phone and, and show prove them. Prove it. That's right. And that w- at one point, <laughs> the who knows what he was, a waiter or a barman, he took Luke's phone <laughs> with him, took it away. Took, took it away. away. Just thanks. I'll take this. And Thank then you. I got an extra wine at one point, which I wasn't unhappy about, but I couldn't drink it because it was warm and it was white. You can't have warm white wine. You can't. And then... I had ordered some garlic toast or it garlic was bread. I think bread. you just thought it was like cheesy yeah. toast, like yeah. sizzler toast, you said, which would have been it delicious. It looked exactly like 
There was a picture. It came out as a piece of toast, a couple of pieces of toast that you get at the motel on the side of a highway while you're travelling from Sydney to Melbourne with your mum and dad. Cheapest, thinnest, sugary white bread. Yeah, it was it was toasted on one side too much and on the other side, not at all. <laughs> and then pop some marge on it and then sprinkle a fuck ton of sugar on it. What? Well, that? I ate it, didn't I? Oh, I had one mouthful. And it was cold then. Yeah, it was cold. Well, that's that's terrible. Also goes with our motel on the side of a highway. By the time you get that, you know, the plate of food on the tray at the front of you. Your room. I don't even know if they do that anymore. Remember, you used know. to go with your yeah. mum and dad. You used to sit on the side of the bed, and you'd totally. and you'd be so excited because you'd be like, "I'm going to get baked beans on toast." And yes. you would get it. It'd just be cold. The Didn't bread would be cold, and the butter would be like minus frozen <gasps> temperature, right. and it would you couldn't ever butter your bread because you'd just rip holes through it because the butter was so hard. I <laughs> arrived to dinner late. late. Oh, it was little funny. Little bit your reaction when we. When you arrived, your reaction was brilliant to us. <laughs> I was like, what, what, ha- what have we done? What have we done here? And then no, the you, best you part had of ordered your, yeah. or everything. So for me, it was like a lucky dip. I didn't know what the hell was <laughs> coming to the table. That's right. And so I just had to run with it. And then yes. this raw bread with sugar on it turns up. And I'm like, what has she ordered? Jeez, and then you showed me the picture. Then I had to get the picture out to show you, which we will put up on the socials. No, my favourite part of you arriving, you sat down and four people started to whinge. And you, the first thing you said was, oh, well, you're all just shit canning everything. Like we were overdoing it. Yeah, you really felt quite strongly. And, and we should add that I had booked this place for my birthday in a couple of yeah. weeks. For Thank God. And thank God, God, we, we did a recce. Did a recce first, because that was what we said to you straight away. Oh, we're not coming here for your birthday. You went, oh, yeah. you just shit can and everything, aren't you? Yeah. We're like, you'll see, yeah. you'll and see. We, Within yeah. about five minutes, you'll see. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It only took about twenty-five food. minutes before your wine comes, you'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your chicken the now? Well, I thought I'd do a similar chicken the now to an other chicken the now that we've done because yeah. um, I thought we'd actually done these women but i haven't mm-hmm. um do you remember dangerous females yes well there's another one similar to them called the nasty woman's club do you know the them nasty woman's club yes i have yeah. heard of them i thought we've done them no maybe not i don't know mm, i don't think we have no okay if we have um, shout out again but they're they're more um less feminism more everyone inclusivity yeah. Yes, um, yes. Okay. They say your go-to place for all things sex, body mm-hmm. positivity, intersectional feminism and pop culture. And great. they're great. They're, they're the Nasty Woman Club on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're great. They make you laugh as well as pull your hair out. Yes. But they always like, like the things that we like. Yeah. Um, they back it up. They back it up with the goods. Like my 
latest one, this is only from yesterday, their post, which I just wanted to have a chat about. <laughs> so it's not really the Nasty Women Club. Chicken the Now Nasty Women Club. Go and follow them. Hey, if you're enjoying this episode, which we know you probably are, let's face it, um, can you do us a favour and subscribe? Mm. Review us? Mm. What else, Evie? Give us five stars. Oh, five stars, please. Thank you. Follow us on the Instagrams as well because um, when we remember, we do put updates there. We do. Chickstreet underscore well. podcast. That's it. And um, if you want to email us, you can. Mychickstreet at gmail.com. The end. But their latest post is not about them. It's yeah. about a male startup. Mm. That's just been done by two cis men. Uh-huh. Um, who have created a disposable period glove. Oh. So that people who menstruate yeah. can remove tampons and dispose of them discreetly. Well, this is genius. That that pesky menstrual. Well, yeah, it's made of plastic and they've made it pink. So, you know, you feel like a girl while you use it. Um, And, yeah, they've made you feel really ashamed of menstrual menstruating. Oh, I thought it goes with that. I actually think that it's not a bad idea. Well, I think what a better idea is, is something like a menstrual cup. Or yeah, but you even need one for it with a menstrual um, cup because those things get messy. Yeah, but then just, you know, bringing in a plastic product. Okay, maybe not the, plastic. Make well, it out the, of... The earth doesn't need. We'd really, you, we've got soap and water. But you know can I, I mean? just say, I use, a, I use a, a, a cup. What are they called? Yeah, the yeah menstrual cup. cup. Menstrual cup. Sometimes... You will find yourself in a situation where you've got to empty it or do something, you're adjust it, and you're in a public um, situation, public restroom situation. So you can it, toilet, it gets quite messy when you've got to take it out and empty it and, and then click. And then if you had a little, like a little, do you know the doggy poo bags that are no, that biodegradable? One of the biodegradable ones. Just well, use I might one of start those. using them. Yeah, I do. But I don't think two straight men needed to create a product that made <laughs> us feel like we need to be scared of that blood yeah. and that mess. And, you know, I mean, it just really mm. plays into that. You're so gross, women. You really are with your bleeding and your, and mm. your periods and your underwear that's stained. Is that what they intended, though? Well, they're making a shitload of money for, from making pink gloves. Okay, well, maybe they're not for women. I don't know about this one. I don't know. I think that their their intentions were good and I think I would, I mean, if it was made correctly with the right products and not plastic, yeah. we don't need any more I think maybe if it was made thing. by, I just see it as the same as tampons and pads, which... Are just right. such a massive just another consumer consumerism yeah. and it's like not product that and it's gonna... not good for the environment. It's not good really for women because the amount of mm. um, toxins that are in them. It's you know it, it, they don't seem to, it, this doesn't seem to be with women in mind. Right, it seems okay. to me to be a money making 
Oh, well, that's nice. That's, I think we should be moving away from products that we can't make um, flushable or reusable. Right. Because that's, in my head, I thought you're going to say that this is, these amazing people have come up with this thing that's flushable and it, you just flush it down the toilet with everything else and it's all good. And, but no, if it's plastic and it's, you know, absolutely yeah. not. But um, I still think there's, there's, there's an idea there. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think if you've got, I mean, I, I don't use tampons or pads anymore. I haven't for years because I have the, I use Modi bodies. Mm. Um, and there's so, and these, all of these kinds of underwear, which are not just period underwear, they're for incontinence as well. Yeah. Um, sweating, that kind of thing. Um, women who are excessively sweat during um, exercise. I think there a lot of women are using them for that now. Mm-hmm. Um, these are designed by women for women who, who of, for what we really, really need and want. Yeah. And I've been using the same six pairs every period for the last, I think, four or five years. And they are incredible, incredible. Yeah. Um, could not recommend them enough. And I love that I've taken my money away from yes. tampon and pad yeah. companies, yeah. Um, which I just think would be run <laughs> by big fat white men, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, who are just really happy to keep us, I don't know. Yeah, so I do get it, but I think they are just completely p- pulling us back mm. into a shameful, yeah. um, you know, when periods are messy yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, and it is okay. But, but yeah. I, 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 yeah, I still think that I would find a need for that in some oh, public what, situations. Yeah. Where... Well, that's what I was going to say. Because well, I always use toilet paper when I... Um, used to have the mess in a public place. When I used to use tampons, I would use a toilet, you know, I'd wrap it up in toilet paper and throw it in the bin or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I I think, can't we just still do that? Isn't that more environmental? Yeah, you can. It's just, you know, toilet paper on your hands trying to look. It's, yeah. Well, you're washing your hands anyway. You are afterwards when you come out, but you've still got to get out of it. Chris from maths isn't. No, but he's a girl. Can we? I know we've 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 stopped preamble, but we need to talk about maths. maths. <laughs> I know. Because oh my god, did you see Woman's Day today? Have no. put out a photo of Bryce and Melissa saying that they're in talks to have their own reality TV show. No, they are not. As if. I just wrote as if. As if. We are not making more TV in this country. We are cutting locally made TV. There's no way, number one, that they're even making reality about certain people. And if they did, it would be someone like Martha or, you know, someone with millions of Mm. followers mm. Mm. number two it, it in his dreams it them in yeah in that their would be dreams. the most boring mm. show mm. what are we gonna watch just him gaslighting her the whole time <laughs> are we gonna what it would be okay if we watched a show where you know he would it's what's bryce gonna do today and yeah you see just bryce having sex with someone and then melissa walking in and going it's fine it's fine it's because really i love him. him i love him and it's fine and it's fine um 
Because I saw, yeah, I saw an article about, it was about how do you, how do you help someone mm. who is a victim but doesn't even know that they're a victim? So you know how when um, Booker was like, so if, so if we yeah. find out something, you don't yeah. want to know it, we won't tell you, right? Yeah. So, so there's this weird dynamic of like everyone thinks she's a victim but she's mm. so gaslit that she mm. just will not accept that no. she is she so doesn't care and, it, and it's funny it makes help. me think of the women who are married to men who just simply put, put them in the lifestyle that they want to live and they know they're having affairs yeah they turn You're right yeah, that's it she doesn't care she doesn't she doesn't, she doesn't know She's happy to say that she yeah. has a man that says he loves yeah. her. Yes. Um, talk about him God. for a minute. Watching that last night and the way he is so defensive and just so entitled, you know, in his mm. tone, mm. it's like how, how do you – it got to a point for me where it's like when you're watching someone on TV where there's a group of people, a collective – of people, mm -hmm. not just on that show. I'm talking in Australia who've seen this, yeah. who don't like you, who see you for all the bad things that you possess and yeah. you still can't see yourself as a dick. You still see yourself as a hero. Yes. There's no help that we, we've got to wash our hands. Yes. Yes. Of this. And I mean, he said his friends were acting. Yeah. 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 All the stuff that he says that's Holy just so contradictory. How does he, how did he, how he saw the footage of the friends saying yeah. he had lied? He said they had an agenda. They were and told. And he to still that. turned that around. Mm. And even the experts, the villains, the three villains, mm should have pushed him on that harder yeah. and yeah. said, like, come on, this is, you are completely deflecting the situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's... you know what? There was no proof at the end of the day of a secret girlfriend for him, like no proof, proof, just mm. hearsay. Mm. Mm. There was proof, however, that Beck had a boyfriend. <laughs> and then tried it was, it was her brother. Oh my god, that was gold. That was such good TV, wasn't it? It was just. And it, it was like watching. <sighs> the only thing I hated about it was how happy Bryce was. Yes, yes. that was the only thing I didn't like about it. The rest, no. oh, I see Beck and Bryce as pretty much the same person. Mm, yes, I mean yeah, they're just yeah. both narcissists and yeah. gaslighters, and they're yeah. mean. Yeah, you know, no, they're kind of nice people who bully. Minorities, yeah. both of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but God, what a twist, hey? <laughs> Gosh, my that's my brother. I that's mean, Twitter. Brother. I don't know if you what uh, you you obviously only like Twitter when you're yelling at belong. <laughs> um, but I I watch Twitter at the same time I'm watching yes. maths yeah. every night, mm. and God, it goes into meltdown because it's just there are so many funny people. You know, someone put the. Game of Thrones, brother and sister photo up straight away. Unedited footage of Beck and her brother just released. I mean, people are brilliant. 
Oh, I, oh, I, I did feel for Jake though. I mean, I'm glad. I mean, it was good that he, that he saw that, but still. Yeah, 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 yeah. Apparently there's a lot about Jake that's not good and they oh, really kept oh. that out to, to keep there him. Always is. There always is. There's always and that's, two it, do you remember I said to you story. last episode or one of the episodes I said to you, I need a contract signed to me yes. for anyone that's going to go on this show that says I will not whinge now when I get that bad edit. I will not say mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. can't believe this has happened to me. Yeah, because chances are you probably will. Yeah. Anywho. Anywho. Story. Yes. I've got a really good story for you today. Well, let me put my glasses on so I can look at your face. Okay. Um, Yeah. I feel like I haven't told you a story in a long time, so I'm excited. You haven't? No. And it's a very special one because I'm not just talking about, well, I am focusing most of the story on one woman, but it is actually the story of the Edinburgh Seven. Pourquoi? Seven. Yep, that's it. But I'm going to focus mainly on, on one, maybe two of the, of the women. Ooh, going against your own rule. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. So the story starts with Sophia Jex Blake. How do you spell Jex? J E X. Jex. Oh, okay. Sophia a lot Jex. Easier than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. She was born in Hastings, England in 1840. Yep. 1840. Okay. She was the daughter of retired lawyer Thomas Jex Blake and Mary Jex Blake, knee Cubit. Cubit? Cubit. Spell it. C U B I T T. Cubit. Until the age of eight, she was home educated mm. and then she attended various private schools in southern England. And in 1858, she enrolled at Queen's College in London, despite her parents' objections. Women don't need to go to school. They don't mm. need an education. No. In 1959, while she was still a student, she was offered a post as a mathematics tutor at the college where she stayed working for the next two years. Mm-hmm. But she worked without pay mainly due to the fact that her family did not expect her to earn a living and her father just outright refused her permission to earn a salary. But she still worked anyway. After she finished up at Queen's College, as she was uh, 21 at this this time, she travels to the USA to learn more about women's education. Mm -hmm. She visits various schools and... um, She's strongly influenced by developments in co-education at the time that were happening in the US. And she later publishes a paper called A Visit to Some American Schools and Colleges. Kind of says what it... Creative. What it is. Yeah. 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 So while she's in Boston, she meets one of America's pioneer female physicians, Dr. Lucy Ellen Sewell. And she was one of the... um, 
Dr. Lucy Ellen Sewell was one of the first American women to become a doctor after she graduated from New England Female Medical College in 1862. Uh, Sophia starts working with her as an assistant and it's during her time here that she makes the realisation that she wants to become a doctor. And this is her, this will be her life's vocation. Mm -hmm. So in 1867, she writes a letter directly to the president and fellows of Harvard University requesting admission to the university's medical school. Mm -hmm. A month later, she receives a reply. Mm -hmm. There is no provision for the education of women in any department of this university. So there goes that idea. The following year, she hoped to attend a new medical college that was being established in New York. But the same year, her father died suddenly, and so she had to return to England to be with her mother. In an essay, Medicine as a Profession for Women, which mm -hmm. appeared in a book um, called Women's Work and Women's Culture, which was written in 1869, Sophia argued that natural instinct leads women to concern, them, concern themselves with the care of the sick. However, with education of girls being restricted to domestic crafts, women generally could not qualify to compete with men as medical practitioners. However, she argued that there was no objective proof of women's intellectual inferiority to men. She said that the matter could easily be tested by granting women a fair field and no favours, teaching them as men were taught and subjecting them to the same examinations. Mm. She was determined to seek medical training. And she knew at the time that Scotland had already an enlightened attitude towards ed education. And she felt that if any university would allow women to study, it would be a Scottish one. Mm -hmm. So she applies to study medicine at the University of Edinburgh in March 1869. And although the medical faculty and the academic senate voted in favour of allowing her to study medicine, the university court rejected her application on the grounds that the university could not make the necessary arrangements in the interest of just one lady. So she thought, fuck this. <laughs> I bet she did. She did what all great women do in yep. times of peril. They call in help from their sisters. She advertised in two national newspapers for more women to join her in her fight to get an education, a medical education mm -hmm. at the University of Edinburgh. The first two women to write to her were Isabel Thorne and Edith Peachy. Edith Peachy's letter read, do you think anything more is requisite to ensure success than moderate abilities and a good share of perseverance? I believe I may lay claim to these, together with a real love of the subjects of study. But as regards to any thorough knowledge of these subjects at present, I fear I am deficient in most. I'm afraid I should not, without a good deal of previous study, be able to pass the preliminary, pre preliminary <laughs> exam. Now, remember this letter because we're going to talk about Edith a little bit later. Okay. In the summer of 1869, a second application was submitted on behalf of a group of five women. Initially, 
uh, it was five, and then two more women would join later on in the year. These seven women would go on to become known as the Edinburgh Seven. They okay. included mm-hmm. Sophia, Jex mm-hmm. Blake, Mary Anderson, mm-hmm. Emily Bovell, Matilda Chaplin, Helen Evans, Edith Peachy, and Isabel Thorne. Good names. In the letter, they requested that they be allowed matriculation and everything that went along with it. They wanted the right to attend classes and examinations required for a degree in medicine. This second application was actually approved by the university court and the University of Edinburgh became the first British university to admit women. So the the seven women set up home uh, in 15 Bucklook, Bucklook, Bucklook place. Spell it. B-U-C-C-L-E-U-C-H. Bucklook. I can see it. But school I can see it. Schoolands. It's now home to the University of Edinburgh's Student Experience Office. Uh, and the women began preparing for the matriculation exams. The examination was in two parts. English, Latin and mathematics were compulsory subjects. In addition, each candidate had to choose two subjects from a group that included Greek, French, German, higher mathematics, natural philosophy, logic and moral philosophy. So Sophia actually acted as a mathematics tutor because remember she used to teach mathematics back in, yes. back in the day. Uh, and of the 152 c- candidates, four of the women came in the top seven places. Wow. On November, uh, that's the way you do it. Yes. So on November the second, eighteen sixty-nine, the women signed the matriculation roll, and in eighteen seventy, the Edinburgh University calendar for the first time contained a new section which appeared under the heading "Regulations for the Education of Women in Medicine in the University." Wow. It stated that the women would receive all their tuition in smaller Mm. classes, separate from those for men and they would pay higher fees due to their classes being smaller why do they have to have separate classes because they're women and they're going to get cooties yeah they have period blood in all other respects the women were to be (laughs) in all other respects the women were to be treated exactly as the men were in march 1870 the women sat the first examinations in physiology and chemistry. Not only did they all pass, but four of them out of the seven obtained honours in both subjects. That's a big one. Now, Edith Peachy, who wrote the letter, where she said she didn't know any of the subjects and she feared that, you know, she had perseverance and that's all she had and she thought maybe that's enough. She actually won first place in the chemistry exam out of everybody. And because she came first place, it meant she was eligible for something called the Hope Scholarship. So the Hope Scholarship had been instituted 40 years previously by the Professor of Chemistry, and it was awarded to four students who came in the top of the exam um, and if they had sat it for the first time. Dr. Crum Brown, who was the current Professor of Chemistry, had at first been pleased to help the women students. Oh, but he had he's gro- turned. But he turned. had observed growing resentment towards them from, the mm. co- from his colleagues in the medical faculty, in mm. particular, the influential Sir Robert Christison. Robert Christison had questioned the validity 
No. Robert Christensen had questioned the validity of the belief that women patients would want women doctors. His own inquiries leading him to believe that the opposite to be true. He concluded his argument by saying, become midwives, not doctors. It was his influence that saw many faculty staff who had initially been supportive of the women turn away from teaching them throughout the rest of the year. Well, they turned away from teaching them. Now, Dr. Crummy, as we call him now. just whinged about it and kept doing their job. Yeah. Now, Dr. Crummy, uh, under Christensen's influence, was concerned that awarding the scholarship to a woman would provoke a backlash from the male students who had grown increasingly hostile when they saw that women were capable of outstripping them in competitive examinations. Mm. He had also noticed that as the term had progressed, many of his respected colleagues in the medical faculty began to express resentment for the presence of women in the university. Mm. He therefore decided to award the scholarship to male students who achieved lower grades Mm, than peaches. AKA dum-dums. The cited reason was that women are not part of the university class because they are Mm. separately taught. Yeah. And whose fault is that? Yeah. Faculty. Given the women had to attend separate classes, Dr. More money. Mm. For more money, Dr. Crummy also felt unable to issue the women with the usual certificates of attendance at his chemistry class. Instead, oh, this is so cute. Instead, he gave (laughs) them a credit for attending a ladies' class in the university. There's a a credit, just a credit. You can take that, do absolutely nothing with it. Yeah, because only the standard certificates met the faculty's requirements for the medical degree. Mm. And these strawberry jam labels, as Sophia called them, yeah. were useless. Yeah. Useless. Couldn't the even women... put them on a strawberry jam jar. No. The women appealed to the Academic Senate in regards to the stupid certificates, as well as the scholarship that Edith missed out on. The Senate met on the 9th of April, 1870, and after some debate, ruled in favour of the women on the certificates, but mm. against them on the scholarship. Tensions were starting to rise after this decision was handed down. Yeah, I wonder why. And a growing proportion of male students began treating them very badly. I was thinking then, imagine the things that that they would have been copying physically and verbally. You're you're about to hear it. Oh, okay. Yep. The men were using offensive language and slurs, slamming doors in their faces, crowding into seats that they usually sat in and bursting into laughs and howls whenever the women approached. There would have been worse than that. It would have well, just been you wait. At four o'clock in the afternoon on Friday the 18th of November in 1870, the women were due to sit an anatomy exam at the surgeon's hall. As they approached, they found that the street to the building was blocked by a crowd of several hundred when the women were seen approaching, a large number of the gathered crowd began pelting them with rubbish and mud, as well as shouting abuse and insults at them. They eventually made their way to the main entrance of the surgeon's hall, only to have the gates slammed in their faces. They endured the hostility of the crowd until a sympathetic student came to their rescue and opened the front gates for them. At the end of the exam, the women declined the offer of leaving via a side entrance onto the street. 
This would later become known as the landmark historical event in medical women's campaign known as the Surgeon's Hall Riot. It attracted widespread publicity and it actually won the women many new friends and sympathisers. Good. It also galvanised the support from some male students who were quite shocked by the way that the women were being treated. Mm. Um, The supportive students began to act as bodyguards to the women, escorting them back to their homes at the end of the examination that Mm. day. And for many weeks after, they would come and pick up the women from their homes and escort them to and from their classes. Mm. Good. That's nice. It's like when, um, you know, the um, Lint Cafe thing and people were so mean to anyone who was Muslim and there were people you could... yes put on your fa- Facebook, I will sit, sit with, with you. you. Yeah. Yeah. An article titled female education in medicine in the Edinburgh university magazine discussed the arguments for and against admitting women to study medicine. So it was still a big hoo-ha, even though it was happening and they were, you know, they were studying People weren't happy. The article recommended that these female students offer their services as dressers and clerks and concluded that let us here, however, simply in self-defence state our firm belief that it is a sign not of advancing but of decaying civilization when women force themselves into competition with the other sex. Mm. That's a shit thing to say. (laughs) Other women had joined their classes. Some doctors had taught them gladly and supporters had formed a general committee for securing a complete medical education for women with a membership of over 300, including Charles Darwin. Well, I mean, yeah, he was a bit of a dick, but there's something good about him. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, although they had, they all had, they had all of this strong support. They were all denied graduation. You're kidding. I'm in, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Yeah. And but you're fucking not, kidding. Yeah. In 1873, denied the court of session supported. So that means they're more money, spent more money. Yeah, more to money do. and passed each test and exam. With flying colours and honours. With flying colours and they've then had it, that revoked. Yep, they just weren't. So in 1873, the Court of Session supported the university's right to refuse the women's uh, degrees. They also ruled by majority that the women should not have ever been admitted in the first place. Mm. This defeat and their other struggles motivated most of them to continue not only for personal reasons, but as part of a wider cause. So soon after this gut wrenching defeat, Sophia soon moved to London to campaign there. She was active in establishing the London School of Medicine for Women, which opened in 1874 with 12 of its 14 students having previously studied in Edinburgh. Six of the original seven also attended the school. Five of the original seven did go on and were granted their uh, medical uh, doctor's certificates abroad. Um, in abroad. they went to Bern or Paris where they were giving, um, allowing women to graduate. Uh, and in 1876, new legislation enabled but did not compel examining bodies to treat candidates of both sexes equally. 
but did not. You don't have to. You don't have to. If you but don't you want to, if you want. But, but if, if you, you don't want to, want to. But if you don't want to, that's okay. It's your right to yeah. repel. Repel the insects that are women. So in 1878, Sophia returns to Edinburgh and she set up her own practice and becomes the city's first doctor. She oh. also established, sorry, the city's first woman, woman doctor, I should say. Yes. She also established a clin- clinic for poor patients. Oh. And once Scotland started licensing women doctors, she helped found the Edinburgh School of Medicine for Women. Edith Peachy, remember Edith, who should yeah. have won the scholarship? Yeah. She worked for a time at the Birmingham and Midland Birmingham. Hospital for Women. Now, and that was just apparently on the strength of her testimonials and her success in her studies, despite the lack of an official qualification. Mm. Um, she went to the University of Bern, passed her medical exams in German, and at the end of 1877 was awarded an MD with a thesis upon the constitutional causes of u- uterine catara. Huh. Hmm. With the uterus, something like that. Um, in German, in German, she did a thesis. Do you know it, how big thesis it, are? Yeah, in German, she probably did it with pen and paper too. Yeah, for the next six years, uh, Peachy practiced medicine in Leeds, involving herself in women's health education and lecturing on a number of medical topics, including nursing. She was invited to give an inaugural address when the London of School uh, of Medicine for Women opened. Um, now. The amazing thing about her is that a American businessman was in uh, Bombay. So Bombay is now Mumbai. Yep. Yeah. And uh, he wanted to start a fund called Medical Women for India to bring women doctors from England to work in India where male doctors were not permitted to attend to women. Ah. I don't know what would have happened to the women who were sick, but... Before that? Yeah. (laughs) They just died. Yeah. Well, they were just women at the end of the day. Yeah. So. Yes. Yes. So uh, Peachy gets a letter saying, um, we really think you should come and join us. And she goes to India and she stays in India for like the next 15, 20 years where she sets up a, a new hospital and oh. she quickly learns Hindi and, mm. I mean, just, you know, another language to... Chuck under and the, to her bow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then after a few years, she also successfully initiates a training program for nurses in uh, Bombay, Mumbai. She's worked tirelessly to counteract prejudices against women, making the case for equal pay and opportunity for female medical workers. And she also campaigns for wider social reform against child marriage in India. Oh, of course. Edinburgh University and the other Scottish universities eventually admitted undergraduates in 1892 after the university's scotland act of 1889 established a legal framework all classes were co-educational except for medical classes so they still had to have separate classes and pay more 22 years later yeah, in 2015, the Edinburgh Seven were commemorated with a plaque at Edinburgh University as part of the historic Scotland commemorative plaques scheme. In 2019, Edinburgh Medical School awarded the Edinburgh Seven the posthumous honorary degree of an NBCHB. Seven Aww. female students received the certificates on behalf of the Edinburgh Seven. Oh. 
And that's the story of the Edinburgh Seven. You know, that actually would make a really good movie. I was thinking that. it was. It's you've got like... seven really good characters. Yes. Two big ones. Yeah. Um, and just the, the landscape of that movie would be beautiful. Incredible, you know? isn't it? And the fights that they'd have and the things that they'd have to stand up for and that they did stand up for. If you had a script, you would actually think it was made up. Made up. I know. I know. And they w- probably would not have to make up any of it. You no. could just write a movie on all of that stuff and, yeah. and you'd watch it and go, oh, what yeah. a riveting ride this yeah. movie is. It would be incredible. I was actually, when I was doing research for this, I was thinking this would movie. be a brilliant movie. I actually think that about a few of the women that we do, but this mm. one, yeah, would be a real, you know, I could see all the young women actresses of today, yes. you know, the yeah. Carrie Mulligans and... yeah. I can I can see that scene in my head of them mm. being pelted with rubbish and mud yeah. and yeah. walking through the crowd and just going, yeah. fuck you, yeah. I have every right to be here and be I'm going to do this exam and you know what, yeah. I'm going to fucking shit it in yeah, I'm and gonna I'm going to beat, beat you. you. Yeah. yeah, and all you have to do is take that away but I still beat you. I still, still beat, beat you. you. And no, I don't want to leave by the side. I want them to see mm. me. I want yeah. them to see us. Yeah, and that so, little house. Amazing. I looked at the um, address. It was right across the road from the uni. Yes. So yeah. seven of them living in there would be great yeah. scenes. Oh, it'd be great, wouldn't but it? Just, you know, the going to the other countries. Off to India. Becoming, yeah. One of them went and set up and a mid... France. Yeah, one of them went and set up a uh, midwifery school in Tokyo. Yeah. Oh, Wow. Two of the others worked at the New Hospital for Women in London, um, open private practices. Like they all went on to, yep. you know. And the, that I mean, movie. again, we're, we're talking the 1800s. Yeah, yeah. Talking the 19th century. Yeah. Incredible. Why do we know about these women? <laughs> they were the beginning. Yep. They were the first women to become doctors. Why do yep. we know about them? Why is there not a movie made about them? This movie would pass the Bechdel test. And there would not need to be one love story in it. Not one. No. Do you know what? And the thing is that they do go into a little bit, especially with um, Sophia, I thought it goes into a bit of her relationship and stuff. And I thought that's not important. That's not what the story's about. Who cares if she got married or she didn't get married? I don't care. Don't care. Don't care. I mean, unless it's really important to the story of their life, you don't care. No. Who you... No, no, it was it was pretty much by like shit by. Yeah, it was pretty much an afterthought. I mean, you don't see in any of these stories that the husbands were supporting them and fighting for them and you know mm. <laughs> standing standing behind them and or being their security guards when they're trying to walk into um, strong women riots. You know, strong. I mean, it really mm. does make me. You know, when we were I was listening to that, it made me think of um, the women who were the suffragettes. You know, and yeah. how they were yes. treated physically. They would, it would have been exactly the same. Mm. Mm. You know, they're men, gentlemen. Yes, yes. In suits. Yeah. The, yeah. the meanness that would have come from them, the nastiness. Yeah. But even to be the first to do something, like we, we sit back and think about that as in we've got context to put around it to say this is, you know, this has happened. We, like we can go and you know, go to a march or do whatever because 
because it's not the first march that we're doing. No, like, no. but imagine being the first yeah. woman yeah. to yeah. go into a bar Start, and order a drink yeah. or, yeah. you know, to, yeah. to walk into a massive university hall and be yeah. the first woman to step foot inside yeah. a building and have the first- all the men laugh at you yeah. and poke fun yeah. at you and throw shit at yeah. you. Yeah. I Imagine mean, being the first politician, female oh, politician. Yes. The first lawyer. Imagine the first lawyer. Yeah. It's just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Of and, men. Yeah. And that we've, you know, we've got these women to thank and, and yeah. for and being we, so brave. Yeah. So brave. Like just they did not back down. They did not quit. No. They did not quit. Remember that the next time you're doing something that becomes too hard. Don't quit. Think of these women. True, very true. Decades they fight for. So there we go. That was a great story. It was a really Thanks. good story and I, I'm, I can't believe we don't know about those people already. Anyway, thank yeah, you for anyway. listening. Look at you. You've got to the end. So if you're still listening, I'm just going to give you a few little credity bits. Executive producers of this podcast is me, Evie Jones, and of course, Annie Potatoes. But we've also got Sam Peterson. He's our producer, our editor, our wine boy, our whipping boy. He does everything. And he's also got a great podcast called Confessions of the Idiots. You know, if you all listen to us, we appreciate you. Follow us on Instagram at chickstreet underscore podcast. And you can email us at mychickstreet at gmail.com.